Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. I'm from Cochrane. I'm actually representing the seminary today um, in a thing that is called CBT Day. Um, and basically what this is, is seminary students from our college go out to um, churches that support our school in some way all across Canada and come and bring a message, take weight off the shoulders of pastors and yeah, just talk about our school. So I'll briefly talk about the school before I begin. Um, First, I want to say their motto is training God called men and women for 21st century leadership in tough places. And I believe that they are training me among many other students to do just that by being diligent and teaching the word correctly and learning the original languages and many other things. And I think the main reason I have been enjoying my time there so much is just the faculty really care for you. There's lots of opportunity for one-on-one interaction with people are just so knowledgeable about the scriptures and the Bible, and it is truly a great learning experience, whether you want to go into vocational ministry or if you just want to learn more about God in general. And there are lots of different options. Um, Yeah, I love the faculty, love learning there, love the community aspect of it as well. It's just a very good thing to be, and if you want to visit the school, we actually have an upcoming preview day, I believe. That's You have to sign up for that by March 11th. It's some time in March, March 20th, and it is a good opportunity to see what the school has to offer, sit in in some classes. And in terms of the slides I have back here, there is some prayer needs that the school has. I know it, again, binoculars you have to pull out, but um, students' prayer requests that Essentially, we deepen our faith and knowledge and appreciation of the Christian faith while we are there. And for the faculty in the school, there's so much to pray for. But yeah, that they would be able to continue to grow in their ability to train these God-called men and women for leadership. So if you could be praying for us in the school and have us in your thoughts, that would be lovely. But there also, one more thing before I move on to the sermon, is we are offering several one-week courses that you can apply for if you want to get a taste and some good teaching. The first one is spiritual leadership, which is, these are all in May, so this is the beginning of May, May 6th. Then there's one called Straight to the Heart, which talks about the human nature. And then there's a third one that is on the doctrine of Trinity at the end of May. So if any of those topics interest you, talk to me at the back after the service, or if the school at all interests you, I'll be at the back to talk to you. But... Yeah, please, if you're interested in learning more about God, consider the school. Um, And one more thing before I start, I just wanted to say thank you for this church who's been supporting the school for over 20 years now, and I just am blown away by that. So thank you so much. And yeah, let's begin today with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that Today you would give me the words to speak as we go through this passage and that you would give me and everyone listening clarity that 
you would be glorified through the reading and teaching of your word. Please, I pray that you would open our hearts and have us have open minds that are receptive to the transforming work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, God, for that, all that you provide, and I pray that you would continue providing for us as we go from today. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I want to dive into the text, which will be in the latter half of John 3, if you want to follow along in your own Bibles, I want to reflect on what just happened. I just prayed before the sermon. We do that kind of as a reactionary thing. We want to pray before the sermon, right? Well, I want to think, why do we do that? Why do we insist on praying so often? Well, I just want to leave that thought in your minds, and we will get to it in a bit. But I really do want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to think, why do we do the things we do as Christians? And I'm hoping to be able to at least partially answer that today. So the Bible passage I'm covering today is in John 3, starting in verse 22, if you want to follow along. And it's an amazing passage where John the Baptist explains what I believe to be one of the main reasons that we serve God. So if everyone's ready, starting in John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, being his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was baptizing with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. I want to stop there for a second and just notice Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples of John. Oh, we have this great ministry. We're leading up to Jesus. We're doing all of this stuff. Now suddenly none of the people are coming to us. Like, what's going on? Come on, John, do something. Like, are you going to do anything? Our ministry, it's dying. Don't we want ministry to grow? It seems completely reasonable, right? A ministry growing and being effective? That's what we want. So they seek confirmation with John the Baptist and say, look, he's baptizing. All of them are going to him. He's taking all our guys. So to me, this kind of sounds like a sibling going to mom and asking them to help them win the sibling fight. Mom, Jesus is taking all the people. It's my turn, <laughs> right? Like they are expecting John to do something about it. And that makes it all the more Super cool when John responds the way he does. So I'm going to go through this verse by verse, but I'm going to read this whole section at once right now. Starting in verse 26 again, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive one thing unless it is given from him, him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine 
is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So like I said, there's a lot to this and I think a lot to learn from it. So let's go through it one verse at a time. He starts his explanation with this thought in verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. I did notice there's a candy basket at the back. So for those taking notes to earn that candy, first point is this. We have nothing apart from what is given from God. We have nothing apart what is given from God. This is extremely important to remind ourselves, especially when it comes to his final controversial statement. God has shown this concept of good things from heaven over and over and over again. I think it's summarized in the verse James 1.17, which says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift is from heaven and is from God. Not only what we think of physical things like, oh, recovery from health or whatever the case may be here with this new car that it just worked out, but even to salvation. We see Jesus say the following in John 15, verse 4, which I realize I forgot as one of the verses, so you won't be able to see it behind me. Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, apart from the things of heaven, we have nothing. We have no salvation, we have no good gifts, and we have no joy. John purposely decides to make this statement before even addressing their main concern. So let's go back to John's argument in starting in verse 27 of John 3. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And that's point number two. If we have nothing apart from God, why are we trying to take the glory for ourselves? My point two is give the glory to God above yourself. This is an astounding showing of humility from John. I'm not the Christ. I've just been waiting for him to come. Jesus coming is what he's been waiting for. He's not been waiting for his grand opening of a big church so he can fly his private jets. He's waiting for Jesus. Instead of taking credit for anything, so even people are like, oh, look at that guy. He's the best. John's like, no, no, I'm not the best. I'm waiting for Jesus to come. So don't take credit for anything. John's been out here for a long time in the desert preaching a ministry of Jesus coming. Is he not going to take anything, any credit for that? Isn't the worth of man something to be proud about? Well, in Psalm 8, David puts it this way. He says, Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him? In David's mind, we're just tiny little specks. What is man that God of all things that created everything in seven days would even care about us? We're nothing compared to what God has done, not only at creation, but also at the cross. How could, he, how could we possibly brag about what we've done when compared to God, what we've done is nothing? More directly stated by Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30, he says, if I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. Paul wants to get it across that God is the one working through him. So even the things that he does do and that he does accomplish, he gives the credit and the glory to God. And that's because their joy was not found in boasting about themselves. And this is my third point. Joy is found in God's ministry. Let's go back to John 3 and read verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. John paints a very easy to understand and beautiful picture of one celebrating a wedding. Imagine having a friend whose wedding it is, your best friend. Best friend's getting married and you go up to them and you try to make it all about you. Oh, it's your wedding day, but nah, 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 like pay attention to me. I know it's your wedding day and all, but come on, why are you taking attention away from me? I love attention. You're being selfish. Like, it's, it's not about John and he knows that and he's so happy for Jesus to come and God's ministry to be fulfilled. John does not desire his own ministry to grow, but stands firm in what he has already been testifying about. Letting his, he's going to let his reach shrink rather than grow because God is the most important. We don't find joy in selfish gain, but in God's perfect and holy will. He had been waiting for Christ to be honored, but to what end? How far would John go to support God's ministry above his own? Simply this. He must increase, but I must decrease. As we read in that passage earlier, John ended up going to prison for his ministry that at that point was growing smaller, and he still held firm to the very end. And it's the opposite idea. And this is the biggest point, I think, point number four today. Our ministry and our work in this world is not for us. It's not for our own benefit. And that idea is entirely opposite to everywhere you'll hear outside of church and Christianity and God. How many times have we heard that, oh, if you just go to school and you work hard enough, or you go to work, or you do work hard enough, you'll get whatever it is, you'll get something. With enough work, you'll get a house. 
with enough effort, you'll get the medal. You'll be financially secure. These are all things that are okay to strive for in their own right, but if they're above God, then what John said has fell on deaf ears. John knows that in order for Christ to be seen as God and people to go and see Jesus, which is the only way to salvation, he needs to step back. He needs to sacrifice his own ministry. Not only does he take this step back, he finds complete joy in this. At the end of verse 29, he says, therefore my joy is now complete. Now that God's taken over, and my ministry is waning, and I'm about to be sent to prison, now my joy is complete. Joy is found in the things above, and satisfaction is found in serving God. I want to look back what I said at the beginning of the sermon. Why do we pray? With this passage in mind, what is prayer truly about? It's not about ourselves. I pray that... I pray that I win the lottery. I pray that whatever. It's not for us. Praying is talking to God. It's a relationship with him. Let us live lives with this attitude that all we do in our walk is for God and not for ourselves, for he must increase. Going to the Lord's Prayer for instruction. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He keeps going, and I'm sure most of you know how that prayer ends, but I want to just bring attention to how he tells you to pray. Don't pray for show. Don't pray for show again, because that is your reward. Rather, go to God in all sincerity, because we're praying for the sake of God and his ministry, and not of our own gain. He starts like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's God's name. It's not, not our own. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my mansion, not my want to do whatever it is I want to do on any given weekend. It's God's will that needs to be done. And I think this idea goes into everything we do as Christians when we gather on Sundays. Worship, baptism, communion, whatever we do here should be designed and is designed to glorify God above all else. So what does it look like then? As soon as we leave the doors at the back, 
What does it look like to live our lives for God? Will we continue to go and seek attention? Do we want to gossip to make ourselves look better in front of others? I know I do that all the time. But why? That's not right. What's actually right is it's important to remember that we need to decrease and make God the one who is the centerpiece of our lives. But why is that so important? Well, it goes back to my point one and also, which is now my point five, no one has anything apart from God. If we go out there and we try to make ourselves look good and we pretend, oh, I don't really go to church that often to make yourself look good or whatever the case may be, we're taking that chance away from others. Because it's not just you who doesn't get anything from God. No one gets anything without God. And I think that's really well shown when we see how John 3 wraps up. So I'm going to read the rest of John chapter 3. Right after he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. This is what the book says. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent has uttered the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is why it's so important that we must decrease and God must increase. It's not a simple matter of character. If you do this, I will absolutely tell you, you decrease, he increases, your life will become a better Christian life. But that's not the main reason. The main reason we need to see this as so important is exactly what God says in Matthew 28, is to go. Go and make disciples. It is a command for all of those who don't know Christ. It's not for John's sake. John's not saying that it's for him. It's for Christ. Every way we turn in the world around us, we see people trying to make it big, go home with fame and fortune. Even social media nowadays is specifically tailored to try to make yourself look good. But we're told that we need to bring Christ's message of the cross and salvation to as many as we can, even if it is at a loss. God sacrificed so much more than what we might be able to sacrifice for his message and his glory, even when he didn't deserve it. So what now? Is this some burden we have to bear? Always putting God above ourselves? Is this some religious chore? 
No, it's not. Look at back how it's phrased. End of verse 29. Therefore, the joy of mine is complete. He must increase, I must decrease. It reminds me of the song that goes, my worth is not in what I own. With the idea being that we find joy in the cross and in everything God's done for us rather than anything that we accomplish for ourselves. This is why we gather every week. We're encouraged by one another in the truth that we have been given so graciously. And we can gather together to praise God. But not just here, but we can praise God anywhere, anytime because of our joy and our salvation that has already been made complete by Christ. Our decrease and God's increase is now a blessing, knowing that our work is not in what we own, in what we do, but rather in the saved life that was both created and saved by God in his perfect image. When we understand that we have nothing apart from what God has given, we realize that giving the glory to God above yourself brings joy and that we are able to decrease so that God may be glorified. And I think that's what, why we do what we do. Colossians 3 words it like this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. This is in the context of slaves serving their masters. It's not about serving man. It's about serving the Lord Christ. So I encourage you as we go from here to not be worried about your self-image, to not be worried about what might hold you back, your anxieties, but be willing to decrease so that God may increase. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for providing absolutely everything to us from the air we breathe to the eternal life. God, I pray that you give us the courage and strength to do what is hard, but what is right, and put you first in our lives. God, I know that decreasing is hard, especially when every turn we're told that we need to make ourselves look good. God, I pray that we would instead find our joy in serving you. God, I pray that your perfect will and your ministry would increase. And I pray that our love for your salvation and for your creation would be known by more. God, thank you for your provision in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca 
or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.